Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Well, today's going to be incredibly bittersweet. Our topic, of course, is 9-11. You know, let's never forget 9-11 and how I miss 9-12. So that's our that's our topic tonight, and I have an incredible, incredible guest who is a hero. Um, he was a first responder. We'll tell his story. I'm going to introduce him. Then I'm going to play a song that we're going to play this song to start today's show and to end it. It's called Peace by Nikki Adio. I thought it was appropriate for today. But I want to introduce my guest first. Nick, say hello. Tell everyone who you are. Hey, Jerry. I'm Nick Rotundo uh, from Howard Beach, Queens. All right. We're going to play the song, guys, and then I'm going to read Nikki's poem. So that song, that song absolutely brings tears to everybody's eyes. What a beautiful song, and what an incredible show today, and my guest. So 
I'm going to read Nick's poem first because I want everybody to really hear who this person is. Hi, Angel. I'm glad you joined us. Um, so, the poem that I wrote, guys, is is heartwarming. It's, it's bittersweet. And when I read this, you guys will understand why today is one of the most important shows for me. And he's one of my most incredible guests. Here goes. Nick Rotundo. Facebook's amazing when used for all good. Incredible networking creates as it should. Growing up in Long Island City at 12, moving away. Although New Jersey bound, I left my heart there that day. One day I get a request on Facebook to join a group. You know you're from Long Island City. Brought back memories on my stoop. I saw Nikki's post of his brand new license plate. First responder from 9-11, I reached out to him in faith. He posted about a documentary he was asked to be part of. I needed to interview this guy. I started praying up above. I didn't think he'd remember because we were really young. Then he told me so much stuff, a song my heart now sung. My parents were godparents to his brother aunt. He remembered so much and started to rant. Both my parents are gone, but Nick's mom is still here. At 84, she still dances, living life without a care. The funny thing about this, when Nikki told his mom, being interviewed by Jerry, she blew up like a bomb. Don't you call her that, she said. Her dad was Jerry. Don't be mean. I remember them so well. Her name's not Jerry. It's Geraldine. Brought back memories I'll never forget. Our childhood rocked. Glad we re-met. Brought tears to my eyes. I said, please let's meet live in studio. Now this can't be beat. It's been 50 years. I kid you not. Never say never. Just take your shot. Reconnecting with old friends has been incredibly great. Not even knowing why in my book, I saved this date. 9-11 is a day none of us will forget. The day we were attacked, our country under threat. My guest here today haven't seen since we're kids. Nick the Balloonatic made all the grids. Nicky Rotondo, incredibly cool. We were born the same year and went to the same school. 1961, born a Brooklyn boy. 1965, Long Island City, he brought joy. 1022 47th Road, my building owned by my dad. Nikki's family moved in. St. Mary's School to be had. Long Island City High School graduated 1979. You made their Hall of Fame, causing trouble in the line. 1982, New York Transit was your gig. Becoming a musician years later. Making four albums. Go fig. 2004, you added balloons. Nick the Balloonatic was born. Still driving and playing three personalities are worn. You remind me of me, jack of all trades. That's who we are, life of accolades. Marrying Sally in 2010, reunited once more sweethearts back then. After 34 years, bus driving would end. 2016, the retirement trend. Before your first check, quadruple bypass at hand. God kept you alive for more he has planned. Two stepdaughters you have. Kimberly and Jennifer's a big part. Although they're not blood, these girls own your heart. You also have a son and two granddaughters too. You like your children, but grandkids you love. It's true. 
The reason you're here, let's now make it known. You were a first responder the day hatred was shown. Sergeant Vincent Benvenuto of the NYPD commanded your bus. I hope I say that that word right. Commanded your bus to help transport and flee. Becoming great friends still till today shared that tragic memory filled with array. 9-11 was awful, but 9-12 was filled with hope. What the heck has happened back on a slippery slope? Enough is enough movement started by my friend Rich, hoping to bring all parties to unite without a hitch. Our country is in trouble. Let's remember 911 for emergencies was dialed to remind us what's been done. A coincidence it's not. 911 was the plan, was hoping to unite children, women, and man. A huge thank you goes out to all of you involved, hoping all your efforts created some resolve. Nick Rotondo, I am honored to interview you, my friend. I hope that our reunion here on earth will never end. Nicky, my friend, I have no doubt the day that you finally meet God, the angels will open the gates as Jesus will smile and nod. That's for you, Nikki. Thank you, sweetie. That's, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. I'm honored that you wrote such a, a, a touching poem, took the time out uh, just just to write it for me. And, and I will cherish this. It's wonderful, Jerry, and I love you for it. Well, I love you, and, um, you know, you deserve it. Um, before we get started, I would like to hear you say something. Okay? Uh Okay. You're going to say thank you, God, for allowing me to accept the challenge of being a hero. Thank you, God, for allowing me. Go ahead. Thank you, Jerry. I'm, I'm a hero. Thank you. You are a hero. And today, of all days, we're honoring you, right? Today is the day, 9-11. And, and I want to say a couple things. I'm, I'm choked up, too. But I want to say a couple things out there so everybody hears this. You know, I'm on five different networks, and I'm pretty much book solid with most of them. I left this day available. I have no idea what what happened. It had to be God, because six months ago, you know, I book a lot of shows six months in advance. I wouldn't give this date out. I said to myself, I'm saving this date, because this year, for some reason, this is going to be an incredible show. And I didn't even I didn't even reconnect with you yet. So that's how God works, and I had to say that. I want to read one more thing, and then we're going to start the interview. On the pages that I made for you of all the photos, um, we're going to talk about your license plate, but I posted something, and I have to read this. It says, I miss 9-12. I would never, ever want another 9-11, but I miss the America of 9-12. Stores ran out of flags to sell because they were being flown everywhere. People were Americans before they were upper or lower class, Jewish or Christian, Republican or Democrat. We hugged people without caring if they ate out of Chick-fil-A or wore Nikes. On 9-12, what mattered more was what united us than what divided us. I had to read that, Nick. So now let's talk about that day a little bit with you and what happened well I was driving a bus for the MTA at the time and I start my shift at 4 o'clock in the morning so come you know 8.30, 8.40 uh, it actually happened the first 
the first tower got hit at 8.46, I heard the commotion on my bus radio as I drove up Amsterdam Avenue with a full, full load of people. And, had, you know, I, I heard the commotion uh, uh, with our command center saying, everyone stay away from downtown, stay away, stay away, and I called up on the radio, and, you know, being a 20-year man at the time, I had a lot of seniority, I was very well known, I, I said to the guy at the command center in Brooklyn, Ricky, I said, Ricky, what's going on? He says, I'm not supposed to say, but a, but a plane hit the towers, it's an accident, and I was like, oh, God, so, you know, I prayed, and I, I continued on my way, and heading up uptown, I get to 100th Street and Amsterdam Avenue, and I, I have probably 60 people on the bus, and out of the street, out of the side street, came this tall police officer with a, with a white shirt, blue pants, you know, all his stuff on his waistband, his gun, and, and he comes out, jumps right in front of the bus to stop the bus, and he and with his hands in the air, and I open the door, and he gets on, and he says, everybody off the bus at once, everybody off. People were just jumping off the bus, the back, the, the front, and, and he, he came on the bus, I pulled into the side street of 100th Street, where the 24th precinct was, and the firehouse, and, you know, he he had said to me, you know, uh, did you hear what happened? And I said, you know, yeah. I said, I heard what happened, that uh, the plane hit, hit the towers. He said, no, it's, it's a terrorist act. Another plane hit the, hit the second towers. I'm, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You have to be kidding me. And, and he said, no. He says, uh, do you got... Uh, you could say it. And I yep. said, yeah. And he said, well, you're going to go right down there. And I said, you know, what, whatever you need. He says, you are now working for the, the New York City uh, Police Department. He says, my, my name, he says, uh, you're, he said, you're Paisano? I said, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm Brad Pitt's brother, Armpit. I said, it's a <laughs> joke because, you know, I was trying to just, just take everything all in. Right. And then he, he said, you're, you got to be a Paisano. And I said, yeah, I'm a Paisano. And he, he said, my name is uh, Sergeant Vincent Benvenuto, but you could call me Vinny. I said, hi, I'm, I'm Nick Rotundo. And we shook hands. And little did I know that that handshake was like friends for life because to this day, Vinny is one of my best friends. That's beautiful. And uh, I filled the bus up with police officers and firemen and I, dro I drove down there uh, just as the first tower was coming down. And then I, I headed back uptown with an escort and they took me to Lenox Hill Hospital yep. where I filled my 40-foot bus up with medical supplies, drove right back down, and I just kept going back and forth as as much as I can. Uh, at Sometimes Jerry even bringing, at one trip, I brought one police officer. Right. One police officer in the city bus, I brought him down, but everybody pitched in. Everybody. It was just, it was amazing, and, and the, the, I don't even want to say the day after, I want to say the months after, right. the cleanup and all that, it was just unbelievable how New York, and, and people came from out of town as well, how everybody chipped in. It, it you know, at this sad moment, it, it, was a, it was a love fest. You know, um, <laughs> I, I'm so emotional with you, with these shows we've done and and it's because of the topic and it's because of our past you know what i mean 
and yes. and we're New Yorkers. I mean, you know, I remember that day like it was yesterday. You know, I had beauty salons back in the day, and uh, my grandson, I think he was like six, seven months old, and uh, I remember walking into the salon, and they were all like in shock, and they said, Jerry, I think you better go home. Something just happened. I didn't know. And uh, I ran out of there crying and went home to my kid and my baby, my grandbaby. And, you know, my cousin was running through the street. I'll never forget that. And she just had a baby. And she called from a payphone back then. And she said to her mother, you may never see me again. But thank God, you know, she's alive. Um, But so many people, right? What, like 5,000 people lost their lives, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, what was hard for me as well is, uh, you know, growing up in Long Island City the way we did, yeah. uh, we were all family in, yes. in everywhere from 3rd Street to, to 12th Street. Yes. Everybody knew everybody. We were family. And, and in between the shuttle trips that I was making downtown, um, I had spoken to my sister and my sister was hysterical crying. And, I, you know, I said, what's wrong? And... Our neighbors in, uh, on 3rd Street, 51st Avenue, uh, our neighbors, the, the Hamiltons, which uh, she was like a second mom to us, um, my sister said, uh, Felicia and, and, and Anthony are missing, which was uh, Lisa, who was our neighbor. Yeah. It, was, it was her husband and her mother. They worked for the same company, Fiduciary Trust, and my sister was hysterical. She says, please, if you see them, uh, I says, yeah, but, you know, I knew what was going on down there, driving into the dust, driving into everything. I, I, I knew that there was, you know, there, there was hardly no chance I was going to find anybody because people were coming out of the dust that I was seeing, like gray, the color gray. It was like a Alfred Hitchcock movie and me just getting off the bus sometimes, you know, walking with somebody just just to lend a quick hand quickly. <sighs> my, my sneakers that I, I wore black sneakers back then driving a bus and like the bottom of my pants turned gray from from the soot. That's yeah. just like gray. But and uh, then I, I had to continue to work knowing that Felicia and Anthony were missing. Wow. Um. Wow. Okay. So, you know, there was a a man on the plane. His name was Todd Beamer. And he said, let's, let's roll. Yeah. Okay. He was from Jersey. Um, his family was, were neighbors pretty much here. And friends of mine came from Australia to, to hang out with me in 2016 and it took that trip for them to come here for me for me to finally make it to the memorial the 9-11 I was you know all these years I, I don't think I could have done it and for them to come from Australia I said we're going to be able to do it and we did and we went and it's incredible and what I want to say to everybody out there is if you've never done it please do it okay you have to take that trip. But here's another cool thing. Um, a guy named Gary Susan, he was the original photographer and the only one of the photographers who was allowed in. And he created a recovery museum. And it's downtown New York. It's called the Ground Zero Recovery Collection Museum. And... He's got things and in there that he was allowed to take. 
He's got photos that are unbelievable. And the best part of the trip for us that day was he has someone that works the museum. It's just one room in an apartment building in New York downtown. Um, they only do it, I, you know, I think like a couple times a day, certain times. But the guy called out sick Nick, and he was there, and I got to meet Gary. Wow. It was just amazing for me. So you know how God works. Like you and I talk about that. Um, so that was the day it was all meant to be for me. Right? You know? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, speaking of this day, Jerry, um, uh, your, your listeners, all your listeners that are listening out there, always on this day, and it, it really takes three seconds to do. Yes. Uh, I don't care what religion you are. You could be Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, Jewish. I don't care what guard that you're honoring, but always remember the times 846, 903, 937, 959, 1007, and 1028. And and I'll explain that. 846 was the, the first plane that hit. 903 was the second plane that hit. 937 was when the Pentagon got hit. 959 is when the first towers came down. 1007 is what you were just speaking about. Let's roll flight 93. That went down. And 1028 when the second tower came down. And if you could just, like like today on my morning run, you know, I, I was jogging this morning just staring at my phone. 846 came. I stopped. I may, as a Catholic, I made the sign of cross and I said a quick Hail Mary and I, I kept going. And what would it take me? Five seconds? Uh, so if you do this, you know, six times, it's 30 seconds of your day. Just to honor, honor all those that, that lost their lives. Right. And, and honor those that are like, like, you know, uh, sick still battling illnesses from it you know i have two things wrong with me thank god it's not major it's not major and you know so i pray for all my brothers and sisters that were down there working and and those who perished and um it's a sad day for me uh but I, i have to tell you five years ago today my my baby Charlotte, my granddaughter, was born five years ago today uh, on the 11th. So it, it takes just a tad of the sting away. You know, I have to tell you what I believe, okay? I believe that that was God's plan as well for you as your trophy for that day. Yeah, I believe that as well. Right? You know, um, I mean, think about how everything's happened in your life and where we are today, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who, who thought that, Jerry, I mean, we haven't seen each other in what, 48 years, I think, like 50, 50 years? 50 years. And just talking, we realized yes. we came from not only the yeah. same neighborhood, right. but, but the same building. Right, 48 years, yes, because uh, last time we saw each other, we were 10. You moved out of my dad's building when we were 10 years old. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Oh, you said you also had a funny story that you wanted to share about your music or something? Oh, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to think. Um, All right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I, I played for a, uh, a band. It was a wedding band, very, very popular wedding band 
back in the in the nineties uh, and and early two thousands, and we started in the late eighties. It was uh, an Italian American band, um, and it was called Armonia, A R M O N I A, which is which means harmony in American and in Italian Armonia. It, it's harmony, and we got invited to Shea Stadium to do a concert on the field right before the Mets played the San Francisco Giants. And we, we're getting ready to, to, we're all set up on the stage in front of 30,000 people, and the announcer says, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Ammonia. He called us Ammonia. We all looked at each other like, oh no, oh no. I mean, if you're Italian and you know a little bit of the language, it's, it's pronounced armonia. Uh, but the Americans always said, hey, ammonia, ammonia, ammonia. They never saw the R in armonia. But wait, I have a question about that. When you got on stage, did you guys correct that? No. Oh, no. I would have corrected it. Okay. No, we, we never corrected it. Actually, okay. we laughed like the, the whole 15-minute uh, set that we, we were only doing uh, 15 minutes. We just continued to laugh and like lip-syncing to each other. Ammonia. Oh, that's Ammonia, so funny. You know, so it was pretty funny. So I want to talk, we'll talk about your music, but I also want to talk about your balloon fetish, your balloonatic, because... Um, not only did we get to meet yesterday, we got to hug and hang out most of the day. Um, and you made amazing balloons for my daughter and my granddaughter. You made my daughter a birthday bouquet of flowers in about a minute, which was incredible. You made jewelry for them to put on their ears and their wrists in about 30 seconds, which was incredible. And then the um, unicorn, it was unbelievable. And then, of course, the flag for the shows. Um, and I love that, and I will cherish that. It's in my garage. Thank you. So awesome. let's talk about your balloon uh, business first. Tell us how that all got started, because it's so cool. Well, I, I've always dabbled with balloons since, since I'm a kid, uh, you know, here and there. And then... Um, what really turned it for me was back in 1994, I was in a car accident and uh, broke a vertebrae and I was out of commission for a little bit. And I just started again because sitting down all day doing nothing, you can't do anything. I started dabbling with the balloons again and I was playing with the band at the time, driving the bus. And uh, so I just kept doing balloons, getting better, getting better. And then when I got back to the, to the band and back into commission on the breaks at the weddings, I would take the kids out of the room and make them balloons. And then next thing you know, parents were saying, can you come to the kids party? And I just, I got better and better. And I just, uh, kept trying to get better myself because that's just the way I am. Um, and then, uh, in 1999, I went to a, actual balloon convention, a first balloon convention ever in New York for balloon twisters That's so cool. <laughs> in Austin, Texas, where 200 people came from around the world to share ideas. That's and so cool. a lot of people there were looking at me like uh, amazed at the stuff I was making and it's just gotten better and better. And in 2004, I really started doing well and actually had a make it a business because I was making too much money and I had to have like a 
some of my accounts, like the New York Islanders. I became the official balloon artist in 2004 of the New York Islanders, and I've done work for the Yankees, the Rachel Ray Show, the Meredith Vieira Show, some TV shows, uh, TV commercials, and 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 Nick the Balloonatic was was born in, in 2004 as a legal business, <laughs> and, and and I've been and I had to quit the band in 2007. I had to leave the band because Nick the Balloonatic got like so popular that I didn't have time to do both and I, I was very heavy hearted and I just I just couldn't couldn't do it all and, and it's so funny because when I was roasted for my 50th birthday my dear friend Mike Kloss who is uh, the general manager of a place called Jericho Terrace he was one of the roasters and he says you know it's amazing he's a balloonatic starts with a B he's a bass player Starts with a B. Oh. He's a bus driver. Oh. Starts with a B. He and and he just kept saying he, he's a bowler. Starts with a B. All I want to say is thank God my wife's name wasn't Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong with you, but I love it. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so great. Um, let's talk about. All right, so I want to ask you some questions about the balloons because. I always ask silly questions, but I have a reason for them. So, no okay. So I have a couple of friends, um, and I'm hoping you're going to be able to come to our fundraiser at the end of the month, and you'll get to meet them. So they're um, m- m- uh, magicians, and they also do a little bit of balloons and all that. Um, so they brought me some of their balloons, and I'm watching them do their silliness, and I whispered to one of them, these have to be magical balloons because they're not breaking and they just laughed at me so i'm gonna ask you are they magic balloons no you just there's a technique it's called burping a balloon and what happens is after you blow the balloon up which uh, i get a lot of calls from children because i do teach balloons um you know at schools for the board of ed and uh it falls on the art i teach them how to burp a balloon so visualize yourself blowing up a balloon one of those long skinny balloons yeah now as soon as you blow it up you have to just let this much air out that's it just let the nozzle go and squeeze it again just that quick and and that takes all the strain off the outside of the balloon, and then you, you're able to twist it. That's the whole key. They're not magical. It's just knowing it. All right, but wait. Know, knowing what to do. No, wait, 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 wait. All right, so instead of burping the balloon, why don't you just not blow it up as much? Uh, you can't because when you're blowing it up, it's airtight around the tip of the pump. Okay, so now another question. So, so you're not going to blow it up all the way. You're going to leave what they call a tail, like a like. Say we're making the the basic balloon dog, and so you're going to leave a three inch tail at the end. So as you're twisting the balloon, the air is going into the empty tail at the opposite end, which takes the pressure off the balloon as well. Okay, fair enough. One more silly question about it: Is the balloon is the latex different? than the average balloons we would blow up? Um, No, what it is, Jerry, is they have different companies. Okay. They have, like, for instance, a company called Qualitex, and their their, uh, thing is 
we're the very best, which I think they are. They're the quality of their balloon. And then you get some other like balloons that you you get in the dollar store or whatever. They're they're cheaply made. Okay. And 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 the way they they make them is like when they they're taking them out of the out of the actual uh, liquid uh, latex when the mold is coming out. You know, it's almost like watering down soup. If you don't water it down too much, it's going to be stronger. If you water it down too much, it's going to be weaker. So some companies don't water water it down as much as other companies. So it all depends what kind of company, uh, you know, okay. which company balloon. There's uh, three or four major companies out there. Okay. But I, I find Quali- what they call Qualitex the best out there. All right. That makes sense. You just explained it to me because I've always been curious about that. So, cool, very cool. So well, now, next time I see you, I'm going to bring balloons from different companies, blow them up, and I'll show you. Okay, the that's so cool. All right. So now, let's talk about your music career, because I'm really, I want to hear all about that. So, what started you, um, and tell, just talk about it, tell us a little bit. Well, I, I've always been into music since I was a kid, when my, my parents for Christmas bought me the, the old keyboards. Uh, that small little, uh, you know, like a Casio type of, of keyboard. And I started playing that. Then I played the accordion. Oh, wow. I remember I really, that. I really got into that instrument. As a matter of fact, I think I was about 15 at the time, and I placed third in the whole United States in an accordion contest. I placed third. And... Um, and after that, you know, I played drums for one band. I, I started as a, as a drummer, like with a with a band uh, called Perfect Touch, and we would play like punk rock and do all the clubs like CBGBs and the Great Gildersleeves and Snafus, and we we would do a lot of the clubs. And then um, something happened with with the bass player didn't want to play anymore, so I I went for for bass lessons and uh, you know Jerry once you start music uh, once you're pretty good at one instrument you basically it's in your heart and you could pick something up and really you know uh, uh, go to another instrument and it's not as hard so I, I started taking bass lessons from this amazing bass player Michael Viseglia who actually was um, the bass players for um the Turtles. Do you remember the Turtles? Of course. Happy together. Oh my gosh! Of course. Yeah. So Mike was the bass player for for the Turtles, and um, then he went on to play with Suzanne Vega for for a tour, and Christopher Cross. And Mike and I still to this day are, are great friends. Uh, he just finished with the show Kinky Boots. He was the bass player. I for saw the, that. For yeah, I love that show. Yeah, yeah, and, and he was then, and, and like I said, he's still a good friend, and he was a great bass teacher. And then I, I went on to study with another guy, Roberto Trumpeo, who was Italian, and I studied with him. And at that time, Roberto is the one who said to me, "Hey, do you want to play for an Italian band?" And I said, "Who?" And he said, "A band called Armonia. They need a, a bass player, and and you got it." So go over and audition and I went to audition and they said listen you got the job you wanna and and I started playing with them and and that was it I went on to do four albums with them which which did pretty good on the Italian circuit and uh, what we specialized in was we would take oldies like from the 50s and 60s Italian songs from way back when and just modernize them and and 
so, that was it. We would do all the Italian feasts where you get a uh, uh, four, five, six thousand gougines coming to see you play. <laughs> and it, you know, it was it was pretty funny. You know, it smelled like broccoli rabe. But that's you, so you great. Play music when you're smelling sausage and peppers and zeppelins at the feast. Forget it. That's so great. So, all right. So I'm looking at your CD, and there were six of you, correct? Yeah. And one female. Right. Okay. So. Are you able to sing a little something for us, like an old song, the way you revised it? When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a morty. How's that? More. Do a little more. Come on, man. You sound good. Couple more little lines. Come on. When the world seems to shine like you had too much wine, that's a morty. Bells are ring, ring a ding a ding, ring a ding a ding, and you sing. Feed the bella, hard to play, tippy tippy tay, tippy tippy tay, like a gay tarantella. By the way, today you wouldn't be able to. <laughs> I, but I, I just thought the same thing. Oh my god! And your legs start to drool, just like pasta vazul. That's a morte. <laughs> when you walk down the street. With the clouds at your feet, you're in love. When you walk in a dream, and you know you're not dreaming, signore. Scusa me, but you see, back in old L.I.C., that's amore. Uh, oh my gosh, I love it. You are so funny, that's great. But you're right, we wouldn't be able to say that. As soon as you sang it, that's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's what they said, a gay tarantella. And it meant a happy tarantella. That's what it means. That's what it means. You you cannot say anything. You you know, I I watched TV the other day, and uh, this this announcer for CNN, uh, Chris Cuomo, got all bent out of shape because... uh, uh, somebody called him Fredo, and he said that that's the N word to an Italian. No, it's and not. He doesn't even know what the heck. That's he was right. Talking. I mean, I don't talk politics, anything. Right. He knows nothing what he's talking about. That no. Fredo was not no. a, an N word for the. If, if you wanted to know something, you know, my father would get mad when they called us WAPs, which only stood for without papers. Okay, how about that? Uh, yeah, or, or they used to call us grease balls and guineas, right. and I mean, I never let any of never any of listen. Off. I, listen, got bent out of shape because they called him Fredo. So listen, I am a guinea, and I'm proud of it. You know, we can't even say guinea teas anymore. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah people used to say to me, uh, "Are you a stunad?" And, yeah. and, and I'd laugh. I go, "You know what stunad is? Yeah. Spell the word donut backwards." <laughs> you stunad. Did you know that? <laughs> Oh my gosh! You spelled the word donut backwards, and 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 it's it's funny because I used to go into to Dunkin' Donut and and, and tell the guy, "Hey, give me a dozen stunats," oh and he would God. laugh. They would oh laugh at me. They would tell me, "You know, you suck too much helium." Oh my gosh! You know, um, to get off track a little bit, just because you brought it up, it's it's kind of funny. So, uh, Sebastian, the comedian, Maniscalco, he's the best. Okay. He really is. He he's, is. He's amazing. And, and I got to tell you, because he's a, another person, a comedian. Uh, he's an old timer now. He's 90 years old. And I'm honored to say I opened up for him in Vegas. Wait, no. I opened up for him a few places in New York. Wait, no, no, no. Pat Cooper. Nick. Who was always on, on Howard Stern's show. And he's in the movie Analyze This and Analyze That with De Niro. Pat is 90 years old, one of my dearest friends. He doesn't 
perform anymore, uh, but I still keep going, trying to make people laugh just by touring with Pat for a little while. He's the funniest, one of the funniest Italians who I never heard him on stage drop the F-bomb. He's 90, Just Pat? pure comedy. Pure comedy. You know, um, I remember... Now, what was his name? Another comedian. Um, I think he's he's definitely gone now. You either loved him or hated him. I wasn't a fan. He was really... Don Rickles? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so anyway, this video is out there, and you can Google it, and it's the best he's up on stage doing his thing and there's a husband and a wife sitting in the front row in the front row and he makes fun i, I know exactly okay. what you're talking he about. makes fun he's making fun whatever and the wife is heckling him yeah. he comes over to the couple and he says is this your wife and the, and the husband says yes with his head down like yeah sorry and he said if she was my wife i'd give her poison to drink do you remember <laughs> what she said back she said, she said, if this is my husband, if you were my husband, I'd drink it. Well, he's, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, he that's stopped the show, stopped the show. And he said, you need to get up here. He brings her up on stage. He said, I've never been speechless in my life. That was priceless. Okay. <laughs> but let's talk about Long Island City, how we grew up and versus what's happening today, because it's all a part of it. You know, what went on on 9-11 was pure hatred. And, you know, I said I said for a long time, we showed such love to each other after that, and now it's all coming back. Such hatred. Um, when you and I grew up in Long Island City, we never even used that word. No, and, and Jerry, uh, you would know this. Um, we, for people that go, they, they know Long Island City the way it is today. Right. And it's absolutely gorgeous. Yep. I mean, with these high rises, very restaurants. Yep. Long Island City, Jerry, when you and I were kids, was a slum it area. It was a slum. No one would even come to Long Island City. The only time, if you remember, that they came to Long Island City was the 4th of July to come to the East River when Macy's would do their firework. It was a slum area. It was all factories and, and Pepsi and the powerhouse and Sink yep. Bread and Miller High Life and all these big companies and the steel factories were yep. down there, the four big pipes on 51st Avenue, which are now high rises. Yep. Nobody would ever come to that neighborhood. We, it was, we, we, were, we were slums, but guess what? Between, like I said, 3rd Street and 12th Street, which that was Long Island City, it was so much love there. Everybody knew each other. Everybody loved each other. I mean, and, and if you got out of place, if you lived on 3rd Street like me, and you were out of line on 9th Street, some parent from 9th Street was going to kick you in the That's bar. right. Oh, and, and, then and then call say, your mother. And say, go tell, go tell your mother. Go yeah. tell your father that I kicked you. Yeah. And, you know, people look at that like, oh, my God, that's abuse. But you know what? I'm glad we were so-called abused because I did get my ass beat, and I'm happy that I did because it turned me into the person I am with respect. And, you know, Absolutely. you know, I mean, it's it's just heartbreaking what's happening today. But back in the day, we lived in a slum, but there was no no crime. There was nothing. Everyone was safe. Everyone's parents, all the all the <laughs> mothers used to hang out the windows. I have a photo of my mom hanging out the window in the 60s and they would all talk to each other from their windowsills. Everyone kept an eye on everyone's kids. And then the corner stores, we were all related. Annie, remember her mom? 
and then Annie, absolutely. Yep, and uh, the other one, Aunt. What was her name? Aunt. Um, I forget, but she was on the corner of our R seven, our forty seventh road, and she had the junk store. She was heavy. I forget her name. And uh, they would all watch out for us. I know. We had no cell phones. I could remember, because we lived on 7th Street. We could be at St. Mary's School. And hear your parents. On 5th Street. And my father would whistle and to come home. And yep. I would hear his whistle two yep. blocks away yep. and go running home. Amazing. Absolutely and, amazing. And the way we told time was the top of St. Mary's Church. Yep. That's the way you knew what time it was. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I, I Listen, I would do anything to go back for a little while. <laughs> I would do anything. Uh, I would too, because then I would say, "Hey, Jerry, these forty-eight years, we should have kept in touch." That's right, sweetheart. I would too. Oh my goodness, what an incredible journey! I mean, it's just been unbelievable. So, let's talk a little bit more about your music. So, um, what happened? Why? Did, so, you basically stopped just because you got so busy. Yeah, and you know, I was driving a bus at the time also, which, you know what, safety is my number one priority, driving a city bus, and Sunday nights when you're doing a wedding, I was coming home 2 o'clock in the morning, and I had to be up at 3.30 to go to work. Okay. So I wasn't I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was starting to really feel run down, and just we were so busy working every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, although you're making people happy, you know, like at weddings, I found that I was getting more joy in my heart making children happy. Okay, and I started, and and it's it's been the. It's been the best. Like this summer, I went on a library tour everywhere from Queens to Montauk. And, you know, every other day doing another library, uh, I do a show called The History of Balloons. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes getting, uh, it, it's funny when you hear librarians say, you know, we have puppet shows, we have this, we have that, we're getting 10, 15 people. But then we're putting the Nick the Balloonatic show up and 200 people are showing it's up. It's so cool. They can't even fit them in the room and you're getting people upset that they can't get in and then they're booking me for a second show and it, it it's just been amazing and and i wouldn't trade it because i love 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 making kids happy you know let's talk about our passions a little bit because this is important you know all the shows that i do i always try to bring in something to bring something positive into someone's life out there you know people listening for them to understand that they should know their worth that they're not powerless over their decisions and it's never too late to do what you want to do in life no matter how old you are so our passions you and i i'm an artist right um a speaker um you know an author right all that stuff this is my passion listen i don't care if i die poor because i could never stop doing what i'm doing the same thing with you right Absolutely. And by the way, I, I have to tell you, Jerry, I mean, I haven't seen you in, in 48 years. I'm talking to you the last, what is it, like two months before before this even happened, you know, we set this up. I, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Oh. I really, from, from the bottom of my heart, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I got to talk to you and, and learn about your life. And, uh, kiddo, I just want to tell you, I, I'm proud of you. I really Thank am you. proud of you. And back at you, baby. 
Back at you. So I want to hear. I want you to tell me something. So you said the history of balloons. I'm fascinated. What is the yeah, history of balloons? It's a whole comedy. It's an hour show. It's a comedy show, and I talk about the whole history of balloons on how balloons first got started and. How, how they evolved over the years, uh, always doing comedy, bringing kids up to the stage, uh, doing um, different things, and uh, maybe this year we will uh, we'll pick a school out by you, and I'll I'll donate a show to one of the schools out by you, and you could come actually and right. see it. We're doing this. We're gonna do something here. So I want to know what is the origin of balloons. <laughs> <laughs> For real? Uh, Yes. Professor Michael Faraday, he wasn't even trying to invent a balloon. What he did was he took, now for instance, say you're in my audience, Professor Faraday, what he did was he took rubber. Boys and girls, where does rubber come from? Okay. Okay. Now, do you know where rubber comes from? I'm hoping the rubber tree plant. (laughs) There you go. But Jerry, in the middle of this, kids, they raise their hand like, oh, 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 and you'll point on them yes where does rubber come from and they'll go home depot (gasps) i was in ready for this this is one of the funniest things ever i'm doing a school in newark new jersey where i like you were talking earlier about don rickles i almost had to jump off the stage with laughter because i asked the question you know uh professor faraday took two pieces of rubber from the and then I, where does rubber come from? And I pointed to a kid, and he said, my dad's drawer. Oh, my gosh. I, and with a straight face, I had to say, no, sir. Next, where does rubber come from? I was, internally, I was hysterical laughing. And, and to hear what some of these young kids say, you know, from rubber bands, from here, from Lowe's, from Home Depot. I love it. My from, dad's drawer. You know, it's just so funny. And, and I... I change my show all the time because it's, I never know what people are going to say. So, um, so actually, the balloon was invented in 1824 by Professor Michael Faraday. He would take the rubber, put them together, and, and, and put flour on the inside so that the, uh, the, uh, the inside was, would not stick to each other. And he would fill them up with water, almost like a, what we call a water balloon today. And he would do these different projects. And then Thomas Hancock in London, England, found out about this, and he started putting air inside and selling them as a balloon. And he, Thomas Hancock took credit for it, but it was really Professor Faraday. But if you research years ago, uh, even before 1824, I mean, it's a little gross, but they used to take, like, uh, pig's intestines yes, I know. And, and blow them up and yeah. tie them. Yeah, yuck. Yeah, and, and that's what. But the um, the hot air balloon was invented even before 1824 in France. And the way they invented the hot air balloon was two French brothers were sitting by a fire, by a campfire, and they took a paper bag and they would put it like over the fire, and it would rise. The, it, it would make the paper bag rise from the heat, and that's how they got the idea to make the hot oh air my balloon, gosh, that's which was even cool. before the rubber balloon. Yep, I went on a hot air balloon. Have you ever done it? 
No, no. Nick I the Balloonatic? But every time we, we chicken out. All right, don't chicken out. You got to do it. Come on, you're the Balloonatic. I, I, I always like to sing, Would you like to ride in my beautiful balloon? <laughs> oh. As I'm holding a little balloon. Oh, oh my gosh, that's adorable. <laughs> we got to get you to sing that song, Holding a Balloon. Okay? <laughs> Oh my it. goodness, what a ride, what a ride. So, I have, a, I have a question. So, do you think you'll ever, like, go back to doing any singing? Um, yeah, I tell you, I get I get the urge constantly, and my my wife really wants me to, to go back to it. And, you know, I practice here and there, and, you know, you once, once you got your chops, you could always get them back. Okay. And and I know amazing amazing musicians that with one phone call I could put a band together and a good band. And uh but I I really got to um I, I don't want to make myself tired. You know what I mean? Okay. Cuz I'm so busy with balloons. Right. If it's not performing, it's answering 30 calls a day and answering emails and what you know, about what I gotta do? I mean, like, what about just doing maybe like, you know, one gig a month with some friends to to stay doing it? Isn't that a I possibility? Was about it, I was thinking about putting together, which I don't see out there. I wanted to put together um, uh, a Stevie Ray Vaughan tribute band because I, I I love the blues. Okay, and and I um, I love that type of stuff. Uh, so we'll we'll see. Okay. Uh, I never say never. Never say I never. I love music. I, you know, I, I'm not a great singer, but I, I could play bass. I could play drums. I play just a tad of piano. But I, I love the bass, and uh, and I, I may just do it. I may just do it. Okay, very cool. Um, so I wanna I wanna just give a shout out to two people again I may have done it in the beginning of the show but I want to do it again Rich Bryn who started a move, movement called Enough is Enough he and I actually went to New York last year and we stalked uh, Fox News and got in a cousin of mine's girlfriend worked there and got in um, and they did interview us and we had our t-shirts on Enough is Enough with two hands shaking a red and a blue to bring this country back together so I think today is appropriate to give a shout out to Rich for this movement Um, and then Scott Gager man of over a hundred voices incredible incredible good friend of mine as well and he wrote and sang a song called Red and Blue and got to sing it on the steps of the White House okay for the president and that that's incredible so you know there are people out there there are people out there that, you know, feel the same way you and I feel, Nick, about our country, um, in spite of the differences. So Yeah. And Jerry, I, I want to thank you because, uh, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you, not even realizing. I had a very rough morning because today is is 9-11. Right. And, and sad. And, and this is, when you have happiness in you, we've just been... Uh, going back and forth for the last, I don't know, 40 minutes about LIC and life and happiness and all this. And, and you, you see, I, it's just, it made my heart very happy. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And I, I want to share something with you again. I said it earlier, but I want to say it again so you really get this. You know, uh, Nick, I shared something with you, remember, 
about my addiction days and how God brought something to light for me um, all these years later. And now when I think about the past with that incident, I smile. Okay, I smile because of what God's done through it and for me. And again, if if you don't really understand that God allowed your grandchild to be born on 9-11 for your heart to now heal. Trust me, that was why. So, with all the sadness, try your best to ask God to put that behind you because He gave you the most incredible gift as a medal, as a trophy for what you did do, how you responded back then. And, And I hope that can heal your heart. It will. It will. Good. Because that's important, you know? Um, I mean, you got the most incredible gift on that date. That's unbelievable to me. So, um, we're coming to the close of the show, everybody. Um, We can go over a little bit, but uh, before... I I do want to talk a little bit more, but before we do that, I want you, before I forget, to tell everyone how to get in touch with you if they want to hire you for a party or for whatever. Just give them all your information. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, you could go online to www.nicktheballoonatic.com, and it's it's a fun website. You could even go to the end where uh, you could see uh, me on the Meredith Vieira show, and this guy from Israel did a documentary on me, and it's a lot of fun. So that's www.nicktheballoonatic.com, or you could call my office, 718 718- 441-2440. I, I do a lot of fun stuff with the kids, and, and believe it or not, I do a lot of fun stuff if you're having just an adult party with no kids around. We could have just a lot of fun, and it's a laugh, and, and we don't go overboard, but it really is a lot of fun. And I, I just, I love making people happy especially now more than ever in in the way the hatred is around our world and and the United States and who hates who just because of this. And so I like to just bring happiness to everyone. And that's the way I wake up every every day and I sit up on the side of my bed and the Mother Mary's there. And and I'm not one to preach, you know, religion, but uh, she does wonders for me. And I, I... say my prayers in the morning, I say my prayers at night, and I go about my day, and I live very happy, nice days. So, that's beautiful. So, you so you do adult parties, so have you ever done any, like, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties? <laughs> yeah, we call it, I well, I call it Fifty Shades of Latex. Okay, that's hysterical. I can just imagine, I'm actually visualizing you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, how... What's your shoe size <laughs> at these parties? <laughs> Eleven. There you go, baby. Listen, I'm actually visualizing it. That would be hysterical. If I only knew that. We had uh, my daughter's grandmother's 80th birthday party two weeks ago, and they did hire a stripper. It was hysterical. Oh, wow. It was hysterical. He he didn't, you know, he didn't go overboard. It was hysterical. He even got me up, which I cracked up about. And there's my 18-year-old grandson videotaping it, okay, while my daughter-in-law is yelling, go, me, mom, go, okay? Uh, me, mom, I love that. All right. So, uh, yeah, my wife is a Mimi, and speaking of my wife, she's right next to hi, me. Hi, sweetheart. with me through all of this, and I, I just want to thank her because... Uh, she she's the the battery that keeps me going. Is she standing next to you? Yeah. Can she say hello to me? 
Hold on. Jerry just wanted to say hello to you. Hello. Hi, sweetheart. Hold on. Oops, we disconnected. Hold on. Okay. Hello. Hi, sweetheart. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Oh my gosh. Listen, I, you know what? I wanted you to say hi. I'm so happy on this show you can because we have Steve on, who's the owner of Remember Then Radio, with his awesome wife. And oh, um, hello. Her, I can't tell you her name. She hates it. She goes by the Doo-Wop Angel. And they're okay. both listening. Okay. And, Angel. and they're both listening. So I'm so happy you got to say hello to them. I want to thank you for sharing your husband with me yesterday. I mean, he spent <laughs> such a, you know, we spent together a good part of the day. I love you for that. And, you know, it just brought back so many memories. It was so touching and moving. And, you know, we were crying on, on the set. <laughs> yeah, he enjoyed spending time with you. Oh. And we'll have to get together. I can't wait to sure. meet you. All right, sweetheart. Thank you. All right. You take care. All right, honey. Hold on for Nick. That's my battery pack. There you go, baby. I love it. I absolutely love that. That's beautiful. So... You know, guys, we're coming to the close of the show, and and I just want to say, number one, thank you to Nick, um, you know, for honoring me with this interview, and I, I can't tell you how I feel about him after finally seeing him again for, like we said, almost 50 years. Um, the guy has an incredible heart, that's obvious. Um, the guy is a hero, that's obvious. Um, he could have said no that day, but he didn't. He said yes. So he had the choice. And he knew he could risk his life that day. And he still said yes for all of us. Um, so I thank you for that, Nick. And I, Thank you. I, you know, I can get emotional again, and I'm trying not to. So um, on a happier note, if anybody out there needs Nick the Balloonatic, again, kids, parties, and adults. <laughs> he is available okay he is available so um anything else you would like to say before i play the closing song um peace by nikki adio i just want to say thank you jerry uh you were wonderful thanks uh to your station remember then radio um yeah. it, it, you've now got a new fan and I will always tune in to you and thank you, God bless America and, and God bless everybody just let's start loving each other more God bless you too, sweetheart so hang on, we're going to play the song okay let's bring it back up in here, guys I want to thank everybody who was out there listening <laughs> 